Amen. You may be seated. The church, weak, embattled, yet strong in the Lord and victorious. The church victorious. And we will be the church at rest. And until then, we march on, on mission. And a mission that will succeed. Why? Because we have the only weapon of mass conversion. And that's the gospel. The strength is his. The message is his. We're just the vessels he uses. And he works through our weakness and fear and trembling to build his church. Be encouraged, church. The main thing, I want again today, I, I really want to encourage you. I'm going to challenge you, but I want to encourage you in who Christ is, who he is for you, what he's done in you, and what he's done for you, what he will do, so that we will rest in him. But we're in Romans chapter 4. If you would turn back there, I'm going to read again from verse 13 to the end of the chapter. We're going to focus on verses 23 to 25 today. This is God's word. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if the adherents of the law, if it is the inheritance of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring. Not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he was considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words that was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead, Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Thus far God's word. Let's pray together. Lord, we pray that your spirit would work in and through us with your word. Do heart surgery, Lord. Do what's needed in each individual heart. I pray for those who don't know you that seeds of the gospel would be sown, that souls would be converted because of your word, your gospel that goes forth. For those of us who know you, that you'd be at work sanctifying us and growing us and making us more like Jesus, delivering us from 
everything that would be in opposition to your will from all of our idols, from all of the vain places we place our hope, that our hearts and souls might be rested and rooted in you, that we might love and live for you in this dark and sinful world. So bless us this morning. Bless the preaching and the hearing of your word. Do your work in our hearts. We ask for it. We need it. We trust for it in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Are you vaccinated? Sorry to raise up your COVID stress. <laughs> Listen, why has that been such an intense question lately? Aside from politics. I'm not going to talk about politics today. It's because people normally are serious about protecting their health. So a lot of time and a lot of money is, trying, is spent trying to be healthy. Going to the gym, eating the right food, or starting again to eat the right food, taking the right whatever medicine, whatever that is. People, people press into health, physical health. And want to do whatever they can to sustain physical health, enhance physical health. And that's not a bad thing in balance. But what we find in the church is the... Uh, let me ask another question. Are we that concerned about our spiritual health? Do we think that much about our spiritual health? Do we work to protect it with as much fervor? Those are convicting questions for most of us because it's easy to just, the busyness of life and can just kind of wash out that concern. I want to warn you today of a virus is far more dangerous than COVID. And I've called them gospel viruses. Gospel viruses. What are, the expo what are the symptoms? How can you know if you've been exposed? Well, here's just a few. Unbelief. Doubt. Worry. Wondering if God loves you. Lack of assurance of salvation. Thinking God loves you more on your good days than on your bad days. Lack of witnessing. Thinking of giving up on the Christian life. See, there are many viruses, ideas that are in opposition to the gospel that if we're not careful, will influence the way we think and the way we live. So today we're going to look at verses 23 to 25. We've come so far with Paul introducing himself to the Roman Believers there telling of his desire to come and preach the gospel there. And then he begins to expose both Gentile and Jewish guilt. He shows that the whole world needs a Savior. He shows that none of us can save ourselves. Right? Self-righteousness. One of those gospel viruses that seeks to get us to stand on our own two feet. But no, none can be saved by keeping God's law. So he points to the righteousness required by God and available to the people through faith, and it's in Jesus Christ. 
and shows that we're justified by faith alone. And then he goes back to Abraham and shows him as the primary example. And he's been kind of expounding Genesis 15, 6. And we'll, he'll kind of finish that today and then go on and apply that as we move into chapter 5 and, and, and move on. But we're going we're gonna to finish talking about, uh, we're going to finish looking into Paul as he uses Abraham as the example here. You see that, you know, James used him in chapter 2. Paul used him in Galatians 3. It's, it's a popular thing uh, to do. But I want to I urge you today to take a very important vaccination. And this one is mandatory from heaven. This one is a good idea. This one is guaranteed to benefit your spiritual health. You know, a lot of argument over vaccines, man's vaccines, and whether they work or not, and all of that. I'm going to guarantee you this one works. This one does what it's supposed to do. This one makes us like Jesus. This one delivers us from gospel viruses. It works. Think of it as a gospel vaccination. And it comes today in three doses. And it needs daily boosters. You need this shot every day. But thankfully, it's not coming through a needle. It comes through your eyes and mind and ears. See, we can walk in gospel health by living in a fresh understanding of the riches that Paul summarizes here in the end of what we call chapter 4. Imputation of righteousness. True faith and justification by faith alone. What a great summary. And I want to challenge you with it. My main point today, live in gospel health by understanding imputation, faith, and justification. And we know biblically if we really understand, we will walk in these truths. They will change our life. Live in gospel health by understanding imputation, faith, and justification. You might say, is this a baby dedication message? Yeah. Just like our Mother's Day messages and stuff like that. We just keep plowing through Scripture. First, look at point one. Live in gospel health by understanding imputation or imputation of righteousness. The imputation of Christ's righteousness. The imputation of our sin to Him and His righteousness to us. Look again at verse 23 as he's talking about it was counted to him. That faith was counted as righteous. In other words, faith connected Abraham to Christ who was his righteousness. Christ's righteousness, the same righteousness that justifies us was credited to or counted to or imputed to Abraham. And so Paul says, but the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone. It's not just a history lesson, but it was written also for our sake. It says, but for ours only. It will be counted to us as well. So just remember, we've talked about this before, but it was counted to him. It was written all for us. Abraham was saved the same way we are. The Jews are saved the same way as Gentiles. The Old Testament saints were saved the same way as the New Testament saints. It's always and ever been one gospel with one Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And even since the fall, when it was promised that one was coming who would crush the head of the serpent, that was Jesus. And that gospel flowers and develops the light of it as we go forward in Scripture. Abraham was saved the same way we are saved, and that is through the imputation of the righteousness of Christ. We're going to talk more about that. But it says it was counted to him. Other translations have imputed or credited or reckoned. Abraham was counted righteous apart from his own works. Not also on top of his works. Not any sort of adding any merit from Abraham. He did not deserve for God to accept him as righteous. But it was credited to him. It was accounted to him. We've already seen in 321, it says this, after talking about sin and we can't save ourselves, he says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith and Jesus Christ for those who are really good. Is that what it says? For those who believe. For those who have faith in Jesus Christ. Free gift. Free gift. The righteousness of God is a free gift. It's given through faith in Jesus Christ. Isn't that good news? Verse 24 of chapter 3. We are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Free gift. We don't earn it. We can't earn it. We can only mess it up. We are declared righteous through faith in Jesus Christ on the basis of Christ and not us. You can't save yourself. You're not saving yourself. You're not in contributing in any way to your salvation. We don't like that, do we? We want to do something. See, we're the problem. Jesus is the fix. And we need to keep that the right way around. God gives it to us as a gift. Look in four four uh, in Romans four four and five. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And who are but to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Righteousness counted to us through faith. And he also mentioned David. David was saved the same way. We're all saved the same way. You can be saved the same way. Do you know for sure if you died in a traffic accident when you leave this building, if, if this was your last breath, that you would be going to the presence of Christ? The only way you can know that for sure is to have a sure foundation for that hope. And that's not you. You hadn't been good enough. Right? We've already seen that in chapter 3. All have sinned and fall short. That includes you. So if you're going to be reconciled to God, if you're going to be saved, we, we say, it'll be through someone else saving you because you've messed it up. You've broken God's law in thought, word, and deed. You need a Savior. You know deep down in your heart that one day you'll stand before this God and give an account for your life. That's why Jesus came. 
at just the right time, born under his own law, born of a woman, that he might live under his own law and fulfill all righteousness, that he might take the guilt of his people upon himself and die to pay the penalty for their sins. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried. He was raised the third day according to the Scriptures. And we need to turn from everything else and trust in Jesus if we would have salvation. Are you trusting in Him this morning? If so, His righteousness is credited to you. Philippians 3.9, listen to Paul's hope. He said that his desire was to be found in Christ, not having a righteousness of his own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that is from God and depends on faith. And I've already said it, but how can we get that righteousness? We are unrighteous and we need righteousness if we're going to be reconciled to God. How can that happen? Well, only through faith. Only through double, double imputation. We, we trust in Christ and we're united to Him. His death, burial, and resurrection. Our sins imputed to Him on the cross. His righteousness imputed to us. I've got a picture, sort of a simple picture for this. But in our justification, and we'll talk more about that at the end of the sermon, what's happened, what has happened is our guilt was credited to Jesus on the cross. When did that happen? Did that, did that happen when you came to faith? Did, no, it didn't, did it? Now, y'all know I believe in the doctrine of election. And the reason I believe in it is that I find it in Scripture. But the reason for it is not so I can win arguments with you over it. The reason for it is that you might rest in Jesus and know that when He died on that cross, He was paying for your sin debt. Specifically, now, you're not the only one, but you were on his heart when he was on that cross. He was if you're trusting in Jesus today, he was dying for you. Not this, this vague general salvation kind of thing. Definite atonement. He, our guilt was credited to Christ on the cross. Why was it credited to Him there? Because we were given to Him before the foundation of the world. He came to save us, and so He made a real atonement and a real salvation for us on that cross. Our guilt went to Him, imputed to Him. He wasn't guilty. He wasn't sinful. He, he didn't disobey God. But our sin, our guilt was imputed to Him. So that when the Spirit applied that redemption that He has purchased to us through the preaching of the gospel, His righteousness was imputed to us. I mean, think about standing in filthy clothes. Remember the high priest Joshua when we looked at that? Zechariah chapter 3. What happened to those dirty clothes? They were taken off of Him and clean clothes were put on Him. See, we stand in filthy rags of unrighteousness. But coming to faith in Jesus, we know that that was all paid for by Him. And then we become clothed in the pure vestments of His righteousness. You really have to get this. Listen to me. Does it sound weird to you? If you're trusting in Jesus this morning, you're barely hanging on, but you're trusting in Him. If you're pushed to the wall, your faith is in Christ. You, listen, does it, are you living here? If that's true of you, you are as righteous before the throne of God as Jesus is. You know why? Because your record is His. 
His, your record of sin went on to the cross with Him and He paid the guilt, the debt. And what did He say before He gave up the Spirit? I paid most of it. I almost paid it all. There's a little left for you to pay. That's not a very good gospel, is it? He said to tell us die. You know what that means? Stamp that debt paid in full. It is finished. Done away with. Your record of sin obliterated on the cross with Jesus when He died. It's gone. And now your record, believer, if you're not believing in Jesus, it's not true of you. You're still in your filthy rags. But believer, if you're trusting in Jesus, now your record before the throne of God in heaven is perfect, perpetual obedience out of love for the glory of God. It's Jesus' record. So you can die in peace if you're trusting in Jesus because He has saved you. Our guilt was counted to Jesus and He paid that debt in full so that His righteousness could be credited to us. There's both the cleansing from sin and the clothing in righteousness. It was. Jesus paid our great... Hell... Hell, hell, I'm not cussing as a preacher. Hell is what we deserve. And it's a Bible word, so don't get all freaked out. If you don't see yourself as deserving hell, you haven't gotten it yet. Why do you think Jesus sweat drops of blood contemplating and drinking that cup dry? The eternal wrath of God due the offense of sin was paid by His Son so that His righteousness could be credited to us. Charles Hyde, look at this quote. Charles Hyde says this, Christ's righteousness is so imputed to believers that their justification, we're going to talk more about justification later, is not merely the act of a sovereign dispensing with the law, but the act of a judge declaring the law to be satisfied. God's justice is satisfied for you if you are trusting in Jesus. God's not angry with you anymore. He's angry with the wicked every day, right? Now, he'll still discipline you, and he can be displeased and all of that. He's making us like Jesus. But look at that again. The judge has declared the law satisfied because Jesus satisfied it. And that status is given to us through faith in Jesus. Your good days are never so good that they're beyond the need of God's grace. And your bad days are never so bad that they're beyond the reach of God's grace. And struggling child of God, if you are trusting in Jesus this morning, you've been justified, you've been declared righteous, you've been imputed the righteousness of Christ. His pure clothing of righteousness is on you. And your sinful vestments went with Him to the cross and were dealt with. Do you see how that will 
fend off so many gospel viruses that try to put the weight on us for either saving ourselves or there's some crafty ones that, no, salvation is free grace, right? But you've got to keep it. Same thing as you having to save yourself, okay? Anything that makes you depend upon what you do is a virus. It's not the truth. Certainly, you don't even depend upon your sanctification for your salvation, right? Just don't get those two crossed up, and we'll talk more in a minute. So first, live in, live in gospel health by understanding the imputation or, or being credited with Christ's righteousness. Number two, got to move. Live in gospel health by understanding faith. Look at what it says. That is why faith was counted to him, but the words that was counted to him were not written for his sake alone. You notice I stopped earlier. But it will be counted to us who believe. To us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord. What does it mean to believe? Well, there's a lot of confusion about that. So this is, by the way, if you're interested in membership or if you just want to know more about Grace Church, this is one of the slides from Grace Church 101. It's on the website. You can go listen to it. But pick number two, Jordan. True and saving faith has three elements the Reformers would point out. Knowledge, assent, and trust. And a lot of people's claims to faith stop right there with assent. You ever been witnessing to somebody and they look at you and say, I believe in God. And you want to be kind to them so you don't say, so does the devil. But that's true. See, true in saving faith, you have to know what the gospel is. That's the first one, knowledge. Knowledge of the facts of the gospel. That Jesus is the Son of God who lived for his, you know, in fulfillment of all righteousness, who died to pay the penalty for his people's sins, who was raised the third day gloriously. See, the, the devil knows all that. That's the starting place. That's not the stopping place. So true and saving faith, faith is knowledge. You have knowledge of the facts of the gospel. Secondly, true faith is assent that these facts are true. Mental assent that Jesus died for our sins, that he was raised from the grave. I believe that. Are we saved yet? A lot of preaching would say, yeah. But see, trusting, saving faith is more than just believing the facts about Jesus. Again, the devil believes all of that. In fact, he knows it to be true. Every demon knows it to be true. But in case you didn't know this, none of them are Christians. None of the demons or the devil is not a Christian. The third and essential element of saving faith is trust. Entrusting oneself fully to Jesus to save you. When it says believe, in, like even John 3.16, it says literally believing into. Adhering to, clinging to, trusting in. Christ and Christ alone. One of the cries of the Reformation, sola fide. Trusting in Jesus alone for salvation. Not your mom and daddy because they were Christians. Not the fact that you've been to every Sunday school class and sermon since, since Adam was a baby. 
Not the money you've given to the church. Not that you're better than Hitler. That's not a high bar, is it? No, you're trusting not outside of yourself. In Christ Jesus alone. That's what defines saving faith, that last element of trust. Remember, we're using the devil and the demons in that illustration. They're not trusting Jesus for anything. They hate him. They know who he is. They believe it's all true, but they hate him. If we're really trusting in Christ, it's because God has worked that faith in our hearts through the gospel. So true faith boiled down to the end is trusting God and his promises of salvation in Christ. See how that matches perfectly with what Paul is saying about Romans and about Abraham and his faith. He believed in God. He trusted God and his promises. He clung to that. Verse 24 says, We, the ones who are counted with Christ's righteousness, are the ones who believe that he was raised from the grave. I'm not going to steal Corey's thunder for Easter, but it's right there. Those of us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord. See, without the resurrection, we have no gospel. Without the resurrection, none of it was true. Without the resurrection, we're wasting our time this morning. You could be sleeping at home instead of sleeping here this morning. Sorry, one or two of you needed to hear that. <laughs> Wake up. This is God's word. It's important. Go to bed earlier on Saturday night if you can't keep your eyes open on Sunday morning. This is the most important thing you do every week is be in God's worship. Living in gospel health is understanding faith. Who Christ is for us and his promises to us. Look at John 5, 24. Believe Jesus. He's emphasizing it here. And he doesn't really have to. If he says it, it's true. But look what he says in John 5, 24. Truly, truly, New King James has most assuredly. You hear Jesus say most assuredly, you really kind of ears ought to perk up. Everything he said is most assuredly, by the way. But for our sake, he's given emphasis. He says, I say to you, watch this how it matches. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Present tense possession. And he does not come into judgment or condemnation, but has passed from death to life. Now, what? look at that. The one who believes in him who sent me, the one who believes the gospel, the one who trusts in me, has present tense possession, eternal life. See, we're not waiting until we die to have eternal life. We have it now. That's why to live is Christ, to die is gain. Death is just a shuttle ride into his presence. Right? But something has happened in the past. Look at this. But has passed before, has pa already passed from death to life. If you're trusting in Christ this morning, you don't have a perfect faith, neither do I, none of us do, but we're on the way. If you're trusting in Jesus this morning, you have eternal life now. You've passed from death to life already. You've died, and your old man is hidden in him, or old woman, old people. That sounds bad, doesn't it? The old man, I better just state a biblical language. 
is dead. And we've passed from death to life. We won't come into condemnation. Why? Because Christ lived for us and we have His perfect righteousness. And He died for us, therefore we have His perfect atonement. All of our sins are washed away. We're clothed in His righteousness. We're right with Him. We are His children if we're trusting in Him this morning. The one who was raised from the dead. So, so live in gospel health by understanding true faith. By understanding the imputation of Christ's righteousness. You better know that you are clothed in the righteousness of Christ if you're going to walk through this world in faith. You better know that it doesn't depend upon you. You better know that even your faith is a gift from Him. That when He died on that cross, He was paying your debt. How do I know? You're trusting Him. You wouldn't be trusting Him if the Spirit hadn't worked that in you. It's not left up to you. Every one of His people will come to Him, He says. And the one who comes to Him, He will never turn away. There'll never be a person in the world who wants to be saved but can't be saved because they're not elect. A lot of silliness about the doctrine of election, but I'm telling you it's here for your peace. It's here for you to rest in your Savior, in your high priest. We don't understand, none of us understand it all. Right? We go as far as Scripture goes and no further. Thirdly, live in gospel health by understanding justification. And you say, gosh, you're going to tell us about that again. Yes. What are the laws of learning? Repetition is one of them. And if you've got this down by heart, then go ahead and get aggravated with me. If you don't have it down by heart, I'm still working on it. When am I going to leave you alone? When you have it down by heart. You want me to shut up about justification? Memorize it. Learn the truth. But look at this. Look what he says. Verse 25. Who was delivered up. Jesus our Lord raised from the dead. Who was delivered up. Who was crucified. For our transgressions. Our trespasses. And raised for our justification. He died for our sins. All of them. If he died for one of them, he died for all of them. Right? If you're forgiven for anything, you're forgiven for everything. It's going to set some of you free if you'll listen. All sins committed by every person ever? No. Our sins. And they are fully dealt with. Who's our? Those who are trusting in Him. I don't know who all... Those who are trusting in Him. If you are His, you will come to faith in Him. And coming to faith in Him, you'll be fully forgiven, you'll be clothed in His righteousness, and be walking in the power of His Spirit. Because He paid our penalty. And it says He was raised for our justification. That's interesting language, isn't it? Christ's resurrection was the Father's declaration of His righteousness. It was the proof of Him being the Son of God by the power of the Spirit we talked about this morning. Look back in chapter 1, verse 4. After saying He was uh, descended from David according to the flesh, it says, And was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by His resurrection from the dead. So the first thing the resurrection was, was a stamp of approval. The righteousness of the Son. The Son is who He said He was. And God raised Him from the dead. And that's the proof that the gospel is true. And look at me. You can't disprove it. 
Many have tried, and a lot of them have become Christians trying. Because if you're honest about history, you can't disprove the resurrection. Jesus is the only one who was ever raised from the grave never to die again. And he was seen by the disciples, by over 500 people at one time. He was with them for 40 days before his ascension. God was saying, this is my son, my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. We heard it at his baptism, and we see it at his resurrection. That tomb was empty, and that door was blown off. Not that Jesus might get out, but that people might get in and see. Empty tomb. The Jews couldn't keep him in there. The Romans couldn't keep him in there. And believe me, they would have produced the body if they could to show that it was all a lie. But nobody ever has. God declared His Son righteous and showing Him to be the true Savior so that our faith in Him is therefore validated so that we are justified through faith in Him. If you're trusting in Jesus, even if you don't understand all of these words, although they're biblical words, and I would encourage you to learn them, if you're trusting in Jesus this morning, this is all true of you. I had a really bad week, struggling week. I, I'm not sure. If you're trusting in Jesus, this is true of you. I had a really good week. I don't need this. If you're trusting in Jesus, this is true of you. You need Jesus. Jesus' resurrection authenticates and confirms that our justification has been secured. Secured. Without it, there's no Christianity, but with it, we have assured salvation as a gift. So again, real quickly, what is justification? I'm going to give you the slide again. It's the question you should be memorizing. 33, Westminster Shorter Catechism. You can modernize this language if you want to. You can turn pardoneth into pardons. Justification is an act of God's free grace. Don't leave that phrase until you understand it. Sets free from a lot of stuff. Wherein he pardons all our sins and accepts us as righteous in his sight. Now watch this important word. Only, only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. See, in a sense, we're, we're ending where we started talking about Christ's righteousness imputed to us. We are declared righteous in God's courtroom. Forensic declaration, courtroom language. God declares us righteous. How? Because through faith in Jesus, our old man has died. Our sin has been atoned for and washed away. And we stand in the righteousness of Christ before the judge of the universe. Our record reads just like Jesus' record through faith so that God looks upon the record of his own son and he says, righteous. God declares you righteous through faith as an act of his free grace. It's a gift wherein he pardons all your sin and accepts you in righteous, as righteous in his sight. Every day. Get a booster on imputation. Get a booster on faith. And get a booster on justification. Listen, I, I'll, I'll, I'll close after a while. But <laughs> let me give you a financial analogy. Imagine that you owed $1 million. 
and you're about to lose everything. And just at the point where you're about to lose everything, someone comes along and pays your debt of a million dollars. But they not only pay your debt of a million dollars, they give you a billion dollars. You say, I want to meet that person. But see, we have even greater riches than that in Christ. We have eternal riches. We have the children of God. What Sinclair was talking about in Sunday school, the most blessed thing on the planet to be a Christian, to be a child of God. And it's all because of grace and it's all a free gift. If you will have salvation, you'll have it as a free gift. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress. Helpless come to thee for grace. Wash me, Savior, or I die. That, that, such rich language. We have the righteousness of Christ. We have the very Son of God as our Savior. We are co-heirs with Him. We are the church weak and in battle, but yes, victorious and marching on. So quickly, a few points of application. Live in, live in gospel health first and always by daily. This is really what we're getting at. Resting in Christ. Momently, daily, rest all of your hope for Him. What does that mean? Why don't you be satisfied with His work instead of trying to do your own? Be satisfied with His work for you. Have all of your hope in Jesus. That's, and none of your hope in you. None of it. That's how you rest in Him. Right? When, I, when I fall back on the bed and rest on the bed, I'm not depending on myself to hold myself up anymore. Fall back on Jesus. Full hope on Him. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you shall be saved, and you are be sa being saved, and you will be saved. So rest, rest, saints. Rest in Him. Number two, live in gospel health by understanding and daily refreshing. See, if you go out of here and don't think about this stuff anymore, that's on you. I pointed you in the right direction. Be not the horse that won't drink. I've led you to water. You want a healthy soul? Mire up in the fact of Christ and who He is for you and the fact that He has died for you, He's lived for you, He's raised for you, He's reigning for you, He's coming again for you, that His righteousness has been imputed to you through faith which is a gift to you so that you've been justified, fully forgiven and declared righteous before the judgment bar of God. You have passed from death to life. You have eternal life through faith in Jesus. Daily refresh these gospel truths because, listen, we wake up every morning with a default setting to legalism that has to be overcome by the gospel. Remember this gospel every day that you live. Bottom line, what I'm giving you this morning, live in and by the Word of God. You're not spiritually healthy if you're not in the Word and being filled with the Word. I don't care what you say. You might feel good. Everything might seem okay. But if you're not in the Word, if the message of Christ is not dwelling in you richly and growing, you're not spiritually healthy. If you're not in prayer with the Lord and spending time with Him, you're not spiritually healthy. If you're not marrying up in these things, you're vulnerable to the gospel viruses that assault you on a daily basis. Jesus said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth.
This is how we grow. So live by the word. Review the gospel every day. You are righteous in God's sight if you're truly trusting in Jesus. Your faith is a gift of God. You're cleansed from your sin. You're clothed in his righteousness. You're accepted in the beloved. And it's all a gift through faith alone. This is what God's word says about every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you one? Are you one? Let the gospel set you free from legalism, which will just is no motivation for performance. Guilt is no motivator, right? Let the gospel set you free to be grateful and love God and want to know Him and know who He is so that you'll be in the Bible because you desire to be. Now, listen, if you don't desire to be, that doesn't give you a pass. Get your nose in there till you desire to be. And confess your sin to God that you don't desire to be. God, I'm sorry I don't love you and I don't love your word, but help me to love you and love your word. That's a great prayer that some of us need to pray. Are you walking in a rich understanding of these truths? Are you getting your daily boosters? Have you had your vaccination, these three shots? And, you know, no, it's a, and maybe that illustration causes pain. There's been a lot of disagreement over vaccination, but just dismiss all that, right? This is one that works. This is one you need. The truth of the living God. So that you understand the gospel. And it will sustain your joy. And it will fuel your faithfulness by the power of the Spirit as you seek to love and live for Christ. Live in full enjoyment of Christ every day through really understanding who He is and what he has done for you. Because in the Lord Jesus Christ, his righteousness has been counted to us through the faith that he's been given us so that we are justified. All in and because of Jesus. Trust him. To live as Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I prayed this before, but I pray it again. Help us to trust you. Help us to love you. Help us to love your word. Help us to encourage and, and, and help one another in that so that we're all together resting in Christ and locked arm in arm for the gospel. Lord, if we really get your gospel, we won't be able to not tell others about it because we'll be filled with joy that our sin has been dealt with, that we've been delivered from the wrath of God to come, that we are a child of God through faith given to us through the preaching of the gospel by the Spirit, that before your throne we are forgiven of all of our sin, clothed in all of Christ's righteousness, children of God, who though we are weak, we are strong in you. Lord, those who don't know you, I pray for their salvation as they listen that your work, you would bring them to faith. Those of us who do, I pray that you would just grow us in grace and, and grow us in the grace of resting in you, trusting in you, believing what you say about us and starting every day that way and finishing every day that way and walking through the day that way. Glorying in our God's salvation that the very righteousness of Christ has been credited to our account. 
and that we are connected to him through the faith that is given to us so that we're in union with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. So we are forgiven because our sin has been dealt with and we're righteous and as, as that, your children. Help us, Lord. Deliver us from the many distractions that are all around us. Help us to prioritize you the way you have prioritized us. And Lord, we just end by praising you and thanking you. You didn't have to cry it from the cross, but you did. So we revel in it. That you have said, it is finished. Paid in full. It's the Lord Jesus Christ's holy name that we pray. Amen.